all of those challenges feel like tiny, tiny speed bumps compared to the immense joy and the feeling of serving and helping more people than I could have ever reached, ever, if I had continued the course and the shoulds. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today, we have Rachel Wright of The Wright Wellness. Her and her husband are a team, which she will share a little bit about this episode. We start with her burnout in her PhD program and her desire to make an impact Basically, she realized that she was going to be able to make a larger impact if she left. Um, So she started her clinical work and a a private practice kind of thing. and basically started to realize she she moved her private practice online and started getting clients online. She she ran a webinar and she was starting to be booked out. And what she realized with the help of her her partner Kyle that she basically could create courses for people because she could pre that she basically realized that a bunch of people don't need therapy <laughs> that they just need access to the resources, the research that, you know, uh, relational therapist help with. And so that's when she started to realize like, oh, the research is locked away and no one has access to it. So what if we freed that and started charging people for it? And so that was kind of the birth of her online business where she is basically becoming an entrepreneur and moving away from being a therapist and is now basically providing access to folks uh, with the help they need. So that transition, I think, is fantastic. Um, It's a fantastic thing to document for our listeners because you can see almost the the skills, basically the skills that she has, you know, as a practicing therapist and how that translates into running an online business and recognizing the gap that she's actually filling um, and becoming more accessible and being able to reach more people, which were all goals that she wanted with her private practice. So I hope you enjoy this conversation from Rachel Wright. All right, everybody. We have Rachel Wright with us today. Yay! Yay! I'm so excited. the applause. I'm so excited, too. And uh, to set the context or the story, uh, we met actually at a conference somewhat recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think multiple people were like, oh, my God, you guys need to meet like people that I know. And of course, it was love at first sight. And she's amazing. Um, And I was just looking forward to this podcast because um, we already have dove into academia, the PhD programs, the path that we thought we were going to go on, all the fun stuff. So I am just so ready to hash it out with you today, Rachel. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, you and I were like the two people getting set up at that conference, I feel like. (laughs) People were like so excited to introduce us, for sure. (laughs) It was awesome. I felt like I was being set up on a blind date. Pretty much. It's basically how I feel. I actually really like you, so I'm going to admit it now. Well, ditto. Um, I won't ghost you. <laughs> That's what they call it these days, right? online. <laughs> right? Yeah. Kids these days yeah. call it 
<laughs> totally sw- swiping right. All right. So, Rachel, um, where we start in academics mean business is the academic journey. So if you could share with us a little about what you studied, um, you know, you can dive into research. I, I often have guests be like, oh, I haven't talked about my research in a really long time. <laughs> um, but any of those things, teaching, uh, all of that, uh, your CV, if you will. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, man, it has been a really long time since I've even <laughs> right? heard CV. I'm like, oh, yeah. In order of publication date, please. Yeah, Go exactly. ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pull up my PDF. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I have I started my academic journey. Uh, I was the kid who always sat in the front of the class. So it was no surprise. <laughs> one of those. Yeah, so it was one of those. I was no surprise when I just continued on and on and on was a glutton for punishment <laughs> and just continued to sit in the front of the class. Uh, so I got my bachelor's in psychology from Cal State Long Beach and Go Beach. Um, love <laughs> that school. It To this day, now that I've interacted with more faculty from just around places, it has one of the best psychology faculty departments mm. I've ever seen. So Good go know. Cal State Long Beach. You, yeah, really set me up for success. Um, and then I went on to get my master's in clinical psychology. And I went to the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, uh, which was interesting. I did not plan on going to a private school. I had a total chip on my shoulder about Mm -hmm. private school, grad schools. And their program actually kicked ass. I was able Mm -hmm. to, you know, work part time. And they seemed to be the only people who understood that, you know, you had to bring in money when you were mm, in school. Such a big deal. It, yeah, such a big deal with grad school. Yes. Like, it's such a problem. Yes, yeah. and so the classes were at night, and I was really able to make it work, and so for the first year of that program, I was still working full-time, uh, mm. which was great. And then I stopped doing that and uh, started dipping my toes into actually working as, you know, as they call it, like a trainee. I think it's a therapist trainee mm. was the legal term in California at the time. And uh, I started working with kids and parents in uh, the CPS system. So Mm. my first, (laughs) you know, feet on the ground going was really intense. And it it lit a fire under my ass to understand even more um, and study more and really understand Mm. the why behind these behaviors that I was seeing day in and day out. Um, So I decided to go on and get my PhD because I'm psycho. And again, just that's what we do. That's what we do. And I wanted to make a bigger impact. Um, And my goal with the PhD program was to eventually study the impact and uh, I guess just impact of attitudes of sex in homes and how Mm. that affects someone's adjustment as an adult. Mm. Mm hmm. And very soon into, well, not very soon, halfway through my PhD, um, I really started to realize that I was on a path of hitting burnout. Mm. And I started resenting the research. I started resenting the learning, which was new for me because Mm. (laughs) I loved the learning. You're like, how'd you guys make this not fun? Exactly. (laughs) I love workbooks. So the fact that Mm -hmm. I don't like your workbook says something about what's going on. (laughs) Yep. And I just I started getting really anxious. I didn't want to go to classes like I found myself creating excuses to not go. Um, And again, like just not like me at all. So Mm -hmm. I decided to take a little bit of a break Um, and I took a semester off, which almost felt like failing for me. 
Um, mm. Which is, I was gonna. Can I ask you? Yeah. Did you get support around that? Was or was because that's a big deal. Yeah. Was there a mentor or someone in you know in your school that was like, hey, you don't have to come back next semester to take a break? So unfortunately, not the the no. school that I mm. ended up going to for my PhD. It just. They were not supportive. I yeah. went back. I mean, I think it's pretty typical, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I ended up going back to my mentor from my master's program who has mm. her PhD and just went to her and I told her what was going on. And she's like, oh, girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. take a semester off. Mm-hmm. And no one else in my family, you know, went down the research road. Sure. So sure. they were really supportive. And during that semester off, I realized that... I wanted to make an impact on the ground floor and Mm. that I could do that without continuing and Mm. without giving any more money to Mm. these people who I felt were not only taking, well, not taking my money, taking the government student loan money, yeah, uh, Yeah. you know, and just building up these piles of debt. And like, for what? I -hmm. didn't know what on the other side looked different from what I could do without it if that makes sense Hmm. it does so what when you were making that decision what where did you go how did how did the institution take it and what were you thinking in your head as you were like going oh like I don't want to do this anymore for me I I really did feel like I was failing I felt like Hmm. I was quitting I felt like I was giving up you know I had all of these voices in my head of like you can do whatever you want which at the time meant finish your PhD. Right. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And really what those voices were saying is you can do whatever you want. You don't have Mm. to finish. Mm -hmm. Like you've gotten what you've needed. You don't have to do this. And so really working on reframing that for myself was pretty powerful. Um, The school were, they were dicks about it in all honesty. Um, You know, they wanted the money. They wanted the person who they knew, you know, they knew I had big plans with Mm -hmm. my degree and, you know, it looks good for the school too. And I get that. Like, I want my students and clients to go out and do things and be like, they were my student. Yeah, totally. But they took it quite uh, personally. Sure. Um, Even offered me like a financial discount, which felt super skeezy because like, what are we bartering I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, is this a market? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, And so I just went and dove into my clinical work. Okay. And realized that, you know what? I can access research, but I'm not going to be on the ground floor of doing it. Mm. Now I know how to do research if I wanted to. You know, at this point, I was done with all of my classes in my program. Mm -hmm. So I was really at the point where I was just about to start on dissertation. dissertation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was all that was left. And so it was like, okay, I got I got the educational piece Mm -hmm. and I see my future more, like I said, on the ground floor versus in a lab type thing. Yeah. And so it just it made a lot of sense. And luckily, I had a husband who really supported whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. What was your like one of your first moves after you decided to that it wasn't that you weren't going to finish? I decided (laughs) this is actually really interesting. Great question, by the way. Um, (laughs) When I decided I didn't want to finish, that's when I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm. So I went straight from 
ooh, academia, PhD, go, 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 to like, well, if I'm not going to do this, then I'm going to do the exact opposite. Uh, Ah, interesting. Yeah. And having a private practice at that point was no longer satisfying my need. Ah, Yeah. So you saw that as an option. You were in it. You were in someone else's private practice? Yeah. Or was it? Kind of. I had my own (laughs) office and everything, but there was a hierarchy. Um, sure. So they, they still got a percentage of, you know, my fee. Yeah, and then yeah. I couldn't really control what hours I worked fully. So I, mm. quote unquote, working for yourself, but not actually working mm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So you jump into entrepreneurship. What, where'd you, where'd you go for information and guidance and help? Oh, everywhere. <laughs> the interwebs exactly right? you know one of the things that i realized at that point was i had a ton of information about psychology yeah. and about helping people and you know nothing about business mm. and that really actually kind of grinded my gears also because I felt like through all of this education, you know, even with my master's, so many people had the goal of going into private practice and that's running your mm. own business. Yeah. And we did not oh, have this huge. one yeah. class, not one class in what that looks like, what marketing looks like as a healing professional mm. or as an academic. You know, mm-hmm. I think so often we are we get into academics because we want to help and support other people. Yep. Yep. And it doesn't feel right, you know, using air quotes to market ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge barrier that I had to get past by hiring somebody else. Like none of that information or support came from any of the classes no. that I had. Yeah. Um, and that was really disconcerting to me. You know, it. it it sucked to look back and say, wow, I, I, you know, all of this was so valuable. And then they kind of leave you with like, okay, now go have fun. Good luck. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, So even things like, you know, business taxes and Mm, what's ethical to market, like what can you say on a business card? You know, for therapists, it's very nuanced and each state is different. And, um, you know, even getting that was, they didn't tell us that they told us what was illegal and unethical (laughs) and that was it don't do this whatever you do don't do this yeah Yeah, totally um so we started dabbling around i found um a therapist turned business coach when i first Ah. decided to leave and yeah yeah i've probably interviewed so many (laughs) probably in fact you might you guys with your phd with phds or or whatever in pursuit of phds in psychology there is a part of you that's definitely like oh private practice is an option that a lot of other um you know, academic yes. backgrounds don't have. Yes. So I think it is interesting. You guys kind of already have an option of going into business for yourself. But I do think it's so fascinating that they're not even setting you up to be successful in that, yeah. that it's like trial and error or find another therapist who could mentor you in that. So anyways, oh, I find totally. that there's a lot of PhDs uh, in psychology that have ventured into this, you know, online space. So I love that you you connected with a, someone who felt like you. Right? Yes, exactly. And, yeah. you know, I forgot to mention, too, I had worked for um, a university in Palo Alto as adjunct faculty for a little while. Oh, yeah. And when I was there, I even asked around to the other adjunct faculty people, like, what do you do for private practice? Like, how do you run your business? And they were, you know, maybe 25 years my senior and they had no clue. No clue. And I'm looking at them like, oh, my gosh, like, is this the path I'm on? 
Yeah. Because that's terrifying. I don't want to be is. like... I don't want to not know what's going on or yeah, right. hoping it works. Right, especially yeah. with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of student mm-hmm. loans sitting there. It's like, mm-hmm. well, how am I supposed to pay these if we don't know how to mm-hmm. run a freaking business? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. So huge, I huge, found huge. this woman. Her name is Carrie. Um, she was absolutely transformational for me. Um, she was the first person to ever give me any idea of what it looked like to authentically market yourself Mm. with really framing it as if you don't put yourself out there you can't help people yeah yep yep instead of this skeezy like marketing mentality that i don't even know why i had it i Mm -hmm. i have it i had it too and i have my moment when that flipped for me as well and that's that i wonder where that comes from um I'm curious. It might come from like academia, like this idea of you're just good and like you're just smart and you'll figure it out. And then, but also the like, oh, the business owner is I, well, I have my own money issues around that. Like what a a business owner is operating Mm -hmm. in integrity and like not just being in it for the money. So being in a profession that was definitely not in it, in it for the money, but for the love of the job, when I leave that, it's like, okay, why aren't people just like flocking to me or like, how do I like, how do I show up? Like, don't they know how smart I am or whatever, whatever is happening in my head. Yeah. So that's interesting. Totally. And you're so spot on with that because it's, it's really, you want to come from this place of service and yet you can't, you know, feed yourself to be of service if you're not charging (laughs) and marketing. You have to ask for money yeah, (laughs) because there's no one writing a check and you're not getting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And I'm so grateful that, you know, I made the decision not to continue because it was through that decision that I ended up seeing this massive gap in our Mm. society instead of finding a massive gap in research. Ooh, ooh, that's your quote. That is your quote that will be on a social media graphic. Um, I love that. And that's what I've always just been um, you know, my like pro yay entrepreneurship has been like, dude, you can solve problems <laughs> that like most of the time research couldn't solve because no one was reading your shit. Yes. But like you, you could literally be like, oh, I could create a service around this thing that people are realizing isn't working. Um, and here's all my knowledge and research, you know, backed information that will help it. So I, let's hear about it. What What is that gap that you discovered or that you found? So the gap was, <laughs> I had everyone coming in. So I learned how to market, right? Worked with Carrie, mm-hmm. like got people in. I had a full private practice. I was running webinars to get clients into my oh, practice. to get clients. Genius. Yeah, it was yeah. great. And like no therapists were thinking like this because... No. Oh, that's a whole other market. You can teach therapists how to run businesses. Seriously, I know. Um, <laughs> Someone out there listening will, will do right, that. Exactly. Someone do it. It's needed. Yeah, um, it's totally needed. And I would come home at night and talk to Kyle, my husband, and be like, babe, this feels so shitty because people are coming in who don't need therapy. And he's like, Ooh. well, what do you mean? Like, they're obviously coming in to see you. So, like, they need therapy. And I'm like, no, no, no. They need my education and they need someone they trust. And they need a safe space. Yep. They don't and need that therapy. doesn't have to involve, yeah, therapy. Yeah. Mm. And so I realized, like, th- there's no research or 
sorry, there's no class around the research mm. that shows us what makes relationships succeed. Yeah. There's no class that tells us what a healthy sex life looks like. There's no class to tell you what to do if your partner is diagnosed with anxiety or depression or Mm -hmm. what fluid sexuality is like Mm -hmm. the list literally can continue on and on and on. It's all those things. You're right. And there's tons of research on it. Yeah. So we're sitting on these piles. And everyone experiences it. Yes. Because it's like one of the core things of being human is partnership, right? Right. And <laughs> yeah. whether it's romantic or not, we all have relationships. Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. So the fact that, you know, within a week, we usually experience some form of sex, some form <laughs> of mental health, and some form of relationship stuff. Yep. And that there's yep. no fundamental classes in this mm-hmm. blew my brains out of my head. Yeah. And so I started bringing this research to Kyle being like, did you know that Kinsey did this research in the 70s? And he's like, who's Kinsey? And, you know, (laughs) this was years ago and he's getting fascinated in it. And I'm like, oh, wait, people don't know this. No. Yeah. So, Or they were in that one, like, <laughs> like in my head, I'm like, they took that one social yeah. class where I also <laughs> felt like it blew my mind, right? To be like, oh my gosh, like our whole society is set up the opposite of what all the research says, yes. which should tell us something, right? It, it literally is like, wait, the research just doesn't get out or it gets out in these very like micromedia kind of soundbite things mm-hmm. and people are like okay cool I drink wine and now I'm gonna <laughs> have no cancer or whatever exactly right? which so like I, I'm noticing in my conversations with more academics is like I feel like we have a PR problem like yes. literally like academic research and knowledge and literally the work we do yeah. um, has a problem with what we're seeing um, how we're seeing I guess in society obviously we have a very anti-intellectual thread happening right now yeah but just in general like we've never been really good communicators to the general public about the things that we know and then how do we put it into action so entrepreneurship really gives us our space to play with that so that's so funny that you bring it up like this because I was just saying this today that's um, I mean I'm not surprised we're just yeah. on the same wavelength with these things but it, <laughs> we're pretty much the same yeah person. I mean basically <laughs> <laughs> so cool so you you've convinced your partner who's not an academic right no. like he, his background isn't in this like going all the way to the end no, of it, research land in fact yeah. like okay. quite the opposite he <laughs> quite the did opposite. not get along with traditional education was in the sure. back of the class like did mm-hmm. not learn well in lecture mm-hmm. format in big groups of people um, and he thought that he was dumb like he he mm, literally which thought is terrible. For, I know, yeah. for years mm-hmm. he was like I guess I'm just not that smart and mm-hmm. he's he's brilliant like brilliant yep. and so we've really it's been through him that we have been able to bring the research to people in a way that they can truly understand it because like you said there's a PR problem and part of that yeah. is the fact that it's written in English but like it's not really written in English <laughs> but not <laughs> you know what Rachel I was gonna say too when you were describing your research I heard you pause when you wanted to come up with another <laughs> academic word I'm like girl that was enough <laughs> almost brought that up it's so funny though because I think we get in our mode it's like oh Lindsay's asking me like yeah kind of what do I boil my research down into a sentence like or like all of a sudden taking on that burden of like sounding smart and all that stuff so yes I love this because when I met you guys I think this was one of the first things we jumped into you were telling me you guys had a podcast and you're like I 
kind of like academia and like this is my background and then Kyle's like I really just re-explained what she says <laughs> which I thought was such a great dynamic yeah he's like it, he turns it into you know food and car metaphors and like Perfect. we're basically a giant Those are filtration the best teachers, system really yeah. yeah for sure so it's it's fascinating you know and I, I think it's such a disservice for our our societies and our communities yeah. to have this research and not be sharing it with people yeah and so realizing that like if i continued and finished my phd cool i can just do more research well we have the research that i want right now it's already out there yeah for sure we just need to get it to the people that can learn from it Mm mm-hmm that's pretty pretty epic. I mean, part of me is realizing too through this work that I'm doing, being an outsider now, mm-hmm. right? Or like, like literally, actually out my office window looking at a community college <laughs> and being like, okay, so I'm gonna like reflect as I look at this school. But like, I'm outside of it now, um, you know. But having been inside with it and still intertwined and still like have a love for it, like we've built the academy like for we built it for other academics unfortunately and it's this quite this self-serving bubble whatever Mm -hmm. of like here's the rules here's how you play by Mm -hmm. them here's how the research has to look here and what blew my mind and and it's such a symptom of literally we're only talking to ourselves and not to like Mm -hmm. the general like mainstream population is like when I went to do my dissertation research and I'm at an institution and I'm deep in the review and that I would actually hit blocks where I wasn't allowed to see some papers and I was just like wait a second like you want me to be the expert on this subject I'm tying together things that have never been tied together before and you actually won't let me download someone's paper this doesn't make any sense and then I started to realize too I'm teaching in a community college we have way less resources than Mm -hmm. research one institutions and I'm like you're literally not letting my students actually see what's out there as far as research whoa is this system broken and it makes absolutely no sense and so we could get into talking about academic publishing and journals and blah but like no one wants to hear that because everyone already hates it so I'm like we're preaching to the choir but that's the madness of it it's like yep literally I the idea that I can do research and then the only people that are going to hear me are other people who probably have done similar research Mm -hmm. so you're not blowing any minds Mm Um, or depending on, you know, the type of research you're doing and if it's, you know, minority voices or, you know, oppressed voices and that kind of thing. And sometimes you're just talking to a room full of white guys and you're just like, wait, why do these people need any access to this information? Like, like I'm talking to the people who are oppressing me. Like, so that's the bananas thing about, about academic institutions. Oh yeah. In fact, when I went to go start, so right before I ended up leaving, I started doing some dissertation, like brainstorming mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. i i was reaching out to a few people who i had you know found their articles and and wanted to go a little bit deeper and ask them some questions like offline and understand more i had one gentleman he said that he was going to charge me $500 an hour for his time to interview <laughs> him for my dissertation well, that's interesting. Usually academics don't think you're charging anything. Right. And that's I was like, you're the opposite of what's happening here. Like, it felt Public almost like an overcorrection right? yeah. in a way because it's like, yep. 
you know, we get burned so many times. I understand True. flipping yeah. to the that yeah. extreme where you're like, nope, my time is this much. <laughs> and his work, his workload and all exactly. of that. Yeah, exactly. But it was so off putting for me at the time, you know, as this student, like, what do you mean? I want to I want to credit you in my dissertation and like use your sure. research. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. it's very broken, like you said, and it's mm-hmm. sad to see and hearing, you know, Kyle my husband comment on it is so interesting because I've always been in it. You know, it's, I've never known anything else besides that. And so to see him be like, wait, to download that one PDF is $157. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it it doesn't go to the researcher. Like we can get right. to all this stuff. Like I don't even understand what's happening. I know. Like, it doesn't um, make any sense yeah. to me at all. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So so here you guys are. You're realizing, okay, there's a gap. I can bring knowledge to the people, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> what do you what kind of are some of your first steps around getting online and starting this business and moving away from the private practice, which is more of the typical path of a psychologist? Yeah. So my first step was to bring my practice online. So I wanted to start small because it felt very scary to just be like, I've worked this hard for all this time and I'm just not going to be a therapist Mm. anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, And I wasn't quite ready to give that up. And I had clients that I, you know, really cared about and I didn't just want to leave them in the lurch because the system was broken. Um, Mm. So I brought my whole practice online. And that was a very interesting transition because I started having to market only online because I knew that if I was mm. going to get clients that were comfortable, you know, with Skype or Zoom mm. or whatever, point. Mm-hmm. That I had to market there because they're not going to be looking yep. offline if they want to meet online. Um, and so Carrie helped me with that, the initial woman. And then that is when I got introduced to webinars. Um, And that is when I really started. So I bought Amy Porterfield's webinars, The Convert. (laughs) It was my very first. Lots of people. It's one of their first purchases. It was my very first purchase and ran my first webinar. I ended up getting, I think, like five or six clients from it, which is crazy huge. Awesome. Um, And that was great. And I started feeling like, okay, well, maybe I can just stay in this place of being a therapist online. Like, yeah, this is a good middle ground. And no, it still <laughs> it still didn't <laughs> still wasn't yeah. enough. And that's when yeah. Kyle came up with. And again, it's this distance from the academia, right? That like he can think mm. outside of this box that my brain was in that I didn't even realize. And he's like, well, OK, so if if the people are coming in and you're saying most of them don't need therapy, but they need this information. Mm-hmm. What if you created something to give them the information. Boom. And I was like, wait, like a class? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that doesn't happen (laughs) by enrolling and getting credits. This is crazy. (laughs) And then he's like, well, what if it was like a packet and then it was a prerequisite and then I'm thinking like, oh my so God, good. you learned. He's like, the- now you're talking yeah, my exactly. language. exactly. I'm like, you learned the term prerequisite. <laughs> and he goes, what if it was a prerequisite so to like working with you? So mm-hmm. I did that a couple times and then they didn't need to work with me at all. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, I can't give. Okay. So then there was that money thing again, right? Because I was like, yeah. no, they deserve to have the access to this research, which is 
true. Sure. But then I was doing myself a disservice because I was yeah. literally just handing off information. Um, and <laughs> it wasn't really, I mean, it was helping them, but they weren't getting sure, the same. which is great. Yeah, they weren't getting the same implementation and I was super broke. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that was the first iteration. And then again, Kyle was like, well, what if we did it together? And I was like, wait, no, you don't have a degree. Like, <laughs> Wait a second. Like, we can't do that. Oh God, I don't funny. know. And it, and it felt horrible because I felt so, um, I knew he was capable, but I, sure. these messages that like were, had just been put in my head for years and years yeah. and years. Yeah. And really we sat down and talked about it and I was like, wait, oh no, that's great that you don't have a degree. This is perfect right. because you this whole time have been able to help me see the things that I can't <laughs> see. Like, this is brilliant. So then we enrolled in, well, he enrolled uh, in Marie Forleo's B school. Ah, and that nice. was our second <laughs> online. Uh, How'd you guys find B school? This is my own market. Yeah. Research. Yeah. So we found <laughs> don't mind me because Amy. Uh, did oh, Amy B-School. Porterfield was promoting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she was doing her whole bonus. Here's your you get yeah JV this. launch stuff. Yes. Yeah, cool. Before we even knew what a JV launch was. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, which just means joint venture yes. for those of you listening. Probably other people listening, and it's a way where you usually market other courses that you've taken or other teachers or business you know folks online who are offering a service or a product um, and you uh, affiliate for it which means you get a cut of it but then they've created the content and they're happy to reach your audience so it's this great like partnership kind of thing that happens a lot yeah online. And it's really so, cool because yeah. you get um, you know because the person the affiliate gets a cut of the money you know you get these really cool they call them bonuses but mm-hmm. they're really just giving you the value of what the money they're Their extra getting. Yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, totally. But it was great because Kyle got to get uh, some time with Amy. He got to be coached in these group calls. Um, and so he nice. really got to start his venture into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while I was really working on content and figuring out what research we wanted to include, nice. um, you know, where we wanted to start, because of course, like being the front, front row seater person I was like we can have a class on this and we could do a class on that and I remember telling him that I wanted to do 10 programs a year when we first started he was like that seems like a lot but I hadn't gone through B school and so he's like I think we need to do like one (laughs) I was like no I'll be so bored like what are you talking about you voice of reason so yeah so we did B school um did more of Amy's stuff and we made our first program and it was the scariest thing I've ever done, Lindsay, Mm, because I started getting, when we got more visible and started putting our name out there, I was getting weird feedback from other therapists because they were like, what Ah, are you doing? Like, what is this? You're giving away like the behind the scenes information and Mm -hmm. therapists. And if you're a therapist listening, I, apologize for this but therapists generally speaking come from a very 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 fear-based mentality Mm. and it was not a way of thinking that I knew was going to be helpful or launch me into any form of success 
Yeah. Um, I think academics come from the yeah. same. Uh, most people do, right? We be, we literally have created a society that that's literally yeah, and it's like the normal. foundation of everything. So yes, it's not just therapists, but it's this idea of like, oh my gosh, if you do this, yes. then you know I can't have or whatever. And it's it's capitalist. It's lots of things. Totally. But, um, and there's yeah. a lot that goes into it. Um, so I was getting yes. weird messages from therapists. Yeah, their own projections of their own insecurities totally. for sure. Totally. Yeah. And then they're yeah. like, wait, your clients can then see your Facebook page because it's public now. And yes. that's... Oh, the professionalism yes. thing. That's interesting. Yes. And yes. why are you showing behind the scenes of your life? You're supposed to be this blank slate. You're supposed to be, mm. you know, th- all the shoulds, right? Like, as mm-hmm. an academic and professional, you should present this way. You are doing it wrong. Yep. And that always felt like BS to me. Um, yep. Because it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just even when I was yeah. teaching, like I, I would hop yeah. on in pajamas if it was an early morning me too. meeting. Me too. People thought we were <laughs> yes. crazy. Crazy millennials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I was getting weird things from therapists. I had a bunch of um, my old like classmates reach out and be like, what are you doing? Curious, this is interesting. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very totally. curious. Like you're actually making money. Yes. <laughs> and right? then other yeah. people that knew, you know, both Kyle and I for a long time would be, they were, they had the response that I had at first, which was, but what does Kyle do? Oh, which was really interesting yeah. because they thought that because that I was the one with the, you know, letters after my name, which like mm-hmm. I say to people, it only means I know how to read the research. That's all those letters mean to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's the difference between me and Kyle. Like, <laughs> that's literally yeah. it. And play the game, yeah. you know, to get those. Yeah. yeah. And I have student loans. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also six figures yeah, in debt. So exactly. no big deal. <laughs> Who's really winning yeah, here? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we, totally. when we launched that, um, it was really exciting. And, that is when I started taking a step away from private practice and saying, Mm. okay, so I'm going to finish out the people who I'm seeing um, and refer them to other therapists if they needed to continue. And then I had some clients who were kind of at the point where they didn't need therapy anymore. So we kind of just transitioned into more of like a check-in coaching relationship and it worked like it, it, it totally worked. I felt great about it. Um, and we we dove first, head first into Wright Wellness Center and really haven't looked back since. Awesome. How long ago is this? So our website launched context. February yeah. of 2017. Cool. Um, and we launched our first program in June of that year. Oh, yeah. nice. So you're coming up on an, a yeah. year. Yeah, that's yeah, exciting. it's really exciting. And it's been a freaking whirlwind, you know, because a whole year leading right. up to it was what is an LLC? What? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trying to figure out the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew how to cover totally. myself as an academic and as a therapist, yep. but I didn't know what business insurance was or, mm. you know, all of these things that, again, would have been really helpful even knowing in private <laughs> practice or even knowing yeah. when negotiating for adjunct faculty salary. Oh, that's a big deal. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, like ooh. nothing was taught like that. So when they offered me, mm-hmm. you know, oh, it's this much per hour. I'm like, OK, whatever. I, I guess that's what it mm-hmm. is. You know, I never learned mm-hmm. how to negotiate for things like that. It was not part no. of the curriculum. Yeah. No, 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 no. So what would you say would be some of the hardest things you've had to do owning a business? Oh, my gosh. And doing it online. Your biggest struggles. Oh. Yeah. 
knowing that it's it's the biggest struggle and the most exciting thing, knowing that it's all on us. Ooh, yes. Um, oh my gosh, if I could like snap, 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 all of the <laughs> right? things. I know. Yeah, it's, for sure. That is the most empowering and sometimes the most yep. terrifying thing. Yep. Um, yep. Another struggle I think is honestly most of the struggles have been internal right so it's it's mm-hmm. not allowing mm-hmm. the people who i do respect but may think differently to mm-hmm. coexist so the friends mm-hmm. that i made along the way who now are doing research or who are you know full-time faculty at a community college or four year or whatever looking and saying oh well what are you doing and and dealing with that both external and internal judgment yeah um and yeah i mean i think really and the money i i mean let i'll i'll speak the truth there like it's not that i was making a lot of money at all being adjunct faculty in in this little private practice but to walk away from something that was at least sustaining our life Mm, um mm -hmm. to literally something we had never done yeah seemed crazy banana pants um Mm -hmm. and also not really having at the time having a mentor or a community that we and i felt a part of you know i used to identify with oh i'm i'm in this group of therapists or i'm in this group of academics or i'm in this group of and then all of a sudden like i had no people Mm-hmm. And that was that was a challenge. Um, but all of those challenges, I mean, I can say now, it's, and it, like you said, it hasn't even been that long in the scheme of life. No. All yeah. of those challenges feel like tiny, tiny speed bumps compared mm-hmm. to the immense joy and the feeling of serving and helping more people than I could have ever reached, ever if I had continued the course and the shoulds. Yep. Yep. That right there is kind of seriously, like when I think about it too, like part of me was going back to that, those moments Mm -hmm. as well. Like um, there was a friend that I met online and I had uh, my, my dad had like a a health scare at Mm -hmm. one point and I had just started, I was in an MLM, blah, blah, blah. My dad had a a seizure (gasps) and I, yeah, it was this moment of realizing like, like, you know, you're the big jolt and being like, Oh my gosh, I can't really help. Like I have to teach tomorrow. Right. And like my parents weren't, I mean, they're far enough away that that would be a traveling situation. And I was like, felt very helpless. Yes. Um, and I'm noticing a thread of like, yeah, uh, something happens typically in our lives that where you notice the helplessness yep. and how much out of control you you really are in certain situations. And then it's like, I had a friend, you know, turn back to me and be like, so you're, you wanted to create stability for your family. So you went into one of the most stable jobs mm-hmm. um, with some of the most freedom that you could get. Very rewarding, very fulfilling. Uh, has a paycheck, has really great health care, uh, to be honest, right. and job security. And that was safety for you because that's not necessarily how your childhood went, right? But now you're at this point when realizing like, oh, well, you don't have enough <laughs> resources to be able to, quote unquote, do what you need to do to help your family. And if helping your family is why you do things, which is for most of us... Um, and she reflected back to me that you can't be both. And this entrepreneur thing is either going to be like you being able to 
to basically make, you know, infinite amount of money, but it kind of, right? right? Like there isn't, there isn't really, there's not a cap. And then there's not a cap and um, very clear in academia that the cap is thrown back to you all the time. Um, And it's shown to you where you stand on that scale and what's possible determined by somebody Mm -hmm. else without a lot of ability to negotiate. And this is also speaking at a specific, you know, I was at a community college, so we had pay scales and stuff where it's, it's different at research institutions. You can negotiate your salary based on, you know, whatever your prestigious like right. research. Um, but even that being said, even those places have caps mm-hmm. really, because it's like, what was the person paid before right. you of like, and so we operate under that. But then like, what if you took the risk? And she was like, you either probably are going to take the risk or, or, um, because it's risky, you can't hold both. Yeah. You can't do both in order to achieve what you just told me your goal was, which was to be able to help your family whenever they needed mm-hmm. help. And I was like, that moment was like, I would have to abandon what I thought yeah. was the answer for security and safety and go to kind of the opposite, but which had security on this and safety on the other end, if you really thought about oh, it. 100%. And it was that kind of like comparison where I was like, oh, shit. like, and <clears throat> I think as academics and people who, you know, go that path, it's a very set yeah. path. Um, and so it's and very there's comfort safe. in that. And there's definitely comfort in and, you know, I'm not here to say that the whole thing shouldn't exist. Right. No, like it's like there's amazing work being done at these institutions every day. There are people doing it. Um, but there are some people who have bigger things that they want to do a larger impact. And when you start to really piece Peace or like, I don't know if piecing is the right word, but like really start to look at the university yep. system and the college system and you can really see where there's some mm-hmm. issues. Um, so being able to have control over how you impact the world is something that entrepreneurship, there's nothing like I found like it. And I, I just was, it was almost like it shocked me or surprised yeah, me. Yeah, I was like, the I same was like, way. Oh, wait, like, this wait I can help yeah. people and have that, you know, still fulfill that purpose, but mm. then also help myself and therefore be right. there for Whoa. other people in my family. <laughs> so that's something I never did. Grow- yeah, totally. Myself never like entered into the yeah. equation. That's a whole other conversation oh, yeah. around. Yeah, like going into the academy and everything's outside yes. of you. And um, but not asking for help, you know, all of that. That 100 yes. percent. Yep. And I know, too, yep. that there were times that I'm sure my family. Well, I mean, some of them were expressed. Some I'm sure they were thinking it and not expressing mm, it. Like, sure. What are you guys doing? doing i mean they they Mm. saw this path that you know i was on and to deviate from that seemed so bizarre for so many people and yet when i met you know more entrepreneurs and more people who now i know think the way that i think yep it's not that weird and it's it's not that strange it's actually a wonderful thing um but i think Mm -hmm. that when you're the oddball in the room (laughs) and feeling like well (laughs) well, this whole path i set out for myself like "Mm, just toss it to the side like right it's it's hard to explain to to somebody who is really a pro this might sound bad but pro institution and like pro (laughs) It does sound bad. <laughs> no, but I you know, know what, what you I mean. mean. Like it's, it's like there's yeah. one way to do things and this is how you get there. And I was like, but what if there's 10 ways? <laughs> and yeah. they're like, wait, no, that can't be possible. And I'm like, mm, well, mm-hmm. th- maybe it is. 
maybe there are. Yeah. And you know, that's something that Kyle talks about a lot too, is like, because he didn't learn well in this traditional format, when we teach, it really means mm. so much to him to be able to teach in a way that he could learn and mm-hmm. to help other people who maybe even if they did teach this curriculum in school, which would be um, amazing, that even yeah. if maybe if they didn't learn that way, that they now have a place to come learn it. Yeah. Options. Yep. Yep. And I love that because you're highlighting a larger mission that I have and what I want academics to see too. Because a lot of people um, that I speak to, like the thing they loved was teaching, right? And like that was their end goal. Um, And many of them still do teach. But um, what I want people to realize is that literally you can teach Mm -hmm. anywhere. Um, And that's the beauty of it. And it's often on your own terms, which um, was something I always was questioning of myself. I'm like, pretty much at any moment, a student who could be unhappy with my style or who I am could walk in and tell, quote unquote, tell on me. (laughs) Um, And there was a, something happened. I, one of the last semesters that I taught, I have this like memory of my students. I can't even tell you what the situation was, but Something had gotten back that I was doing something in a certain way and people were like, oh, we got your back. Like, we know what you're up to or something. I can't remember. I couldn't even tell you. But I have that moment of realizing that, okay, yeah, my students have my back, but I actually don't have tenure Uh right now. I still have another year. And um, this was when I was exploring um, entrepreneurship, not with my own business, but through, well, not that having an MLM or any sort of like mark, like multi-level marketing isn't a business, it's but different. it's different when you're yeah, selling someone else's product. I did MLM product. too. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just totally. different. It's different. So I was in, in that space though of realizing like, oh, I could start an income stream and not have to maybe worry, like go paycheck mm-hmm. to paycheck, which is pretty typical. Um, and yeah, it was in that moment where I was just like, you know, it's not as safe. Like I'm pretty good at teaching and I'm a badass and the people who care, which are my students, are going to defend me. But mm, in the end, there's so many gatekeepers at so many different levels in the college that, yeah, I could get fired for who knows what or my who knows the subject could be right. shut down or the and whatever. Right. In Budget any cut. industry like Just the other day, I was speaking with my dad who works in hospitality and his Mm. boss, they just got rid of his position and gave him a 40% salary cut with seven days notice. Yeah. And I was sitting there like, that's holy. Is that legal? It feels like super illegal. (laughs) Right? Like that's what I said. I was like, is there a labor lawyer somewhere? That's what I said. Mm -hmm. But so even in, you know, a quote unquote stable, non-academic totally separate like corporate job yeah it's it's all the person it's just perception yep it's just perceived safety yep it could go away tomorrow Mm -hmm. and with entrepreneurship it's terrifying at times (laughs) because it feels like it could go away like any second yeah literally yeah but we have more control than somebody else taking it away to pivot and i who else was i talking to about this like um, yeah, like at any moment, I mean, with all the stuff that's happening with Facebook and privacy, and there are yeah. people that are like, oh, I kind of was relying on this form of, yeah. of, of marketing <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Okay, cool. So we're, we recognize that we don't have control over everything in entrepreneurship either. Like, let's paint a realistic yep. picture here. Um, but 
you know, the market's going to crash soon, right? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) we know how the economy works and, you know, we can look at, okay, when's the next downturn going to be? And the downturn is going to reflect in how many people are spending thousands of dollars on courses. So let's just be prepared for that. And so recognizing that, okay, cool. But now I don't have, you know, someone else making that decision over like the cut or the employment or whatever. And okay, cool. How do I pivot knowing how to market. I can't unlearn all these skills that I have. What's the need that people have right now that they're willing to pay for? Because even though the market crashes, there are people spending money on things that's still happening. Um, A huge dip obviously will impact us. But one that's probably more typical, you know, that will happen is is likely going to hit a certain sector. It's probably not going to be as bad as what happened in 2008. But that all being said, yeah, I feel like I could pivot in a day. Like I watch people pivot left and right and center and like just, you know, oh, I feel like offering this or this feels more like me and this is what I'm yep. going to problem I'm going to solve. And it feels like I have control. I can wake up one day and be like, I will create a thing and <laughs> this is what I'm going to charge for it. You know, yes, it's scary as shit to see if someone's yep. going to buy it. Um, and we have all had the thing that hasn't sold, but yep. it's still <laughs> us, right? Because then we can go back as the academic, at least investigate it. What's, you know, yes. what are the numbers saying? And like, so I love to hear maybe some of your thoughts on the skills that you're taking from academia. We have your husband who's balancing you really well, but what is serving you well in this space as you build a business? From, Honestly, from almost academic. everything, almost, almost everything, <laughs> right? Uh, truly. Um, I think the ability to pivot and to improv, you know, improv. I, as an academic. Interesting. I like that. Yes. And just having the cojones to say, I don't know. Ah, yes. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm teaching that to more and more entrepreneurs every day. They're like, wait, what? Like, I literally I'm running a beta program on betas and I'm finding that more of what I'm doing around course creation is actually teaching and the mindset of teaching. Uh And I'm literally teaching people like you should not be a sage on the stage, like typical stuff, like like teaching 101. But it's so important to realize, like I had a student yesterday during our call say, but what if I don't know the answer? And I was like, oh, I remember when I used to think that. <laughs> and it was like, you don't know the answer. Like, here's what you say. And she goes, oh, all I have to do is is say, oh, I'll look it up. Really? And I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> Google. <laughs> like, like really when Google came out, like pretty much all professors had to realize that they don't know anything and their students probably could know more about anything right. they wanted to know more about than they ever would. Exactly. So we've been having to give over our authority for the last, you know, 20 years. But that all being said we don't have all the answers is such a humbling thing but that academics know like that's part of that identity for sure totally and I think that you know reading so much like we've all read so many different things there's no way that all of that is in our brain ready to just come out and you know be like oh yeah in 2001 this (laughs) study done by yada 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 like I mean my brain doesn't work like I do know people who can do that way better than me but I just I, I'm not like an encyclopedia of everything yeah. I've ever read. Um, so, yeah, being able to say I don't know. Um, mm. I think the learning, you know, constantly learning new skills. Ah, being has able been to take great. in information. Yes. Yep. And not only taking it in, but then applying it right away. Mm hmm. 
it's it's feedback I've gotten from coaches I've worked with like oh you're so coachable ah. and I found that so interesting I was like what do you mean like what does that mean to you of course that's like the therapist in me I'm like what? <laughs> what's the meaning behind that also a great skill yeah <laughs> and you know most of them are like well a lot of people I work with I'll give them you know okay here's step a b and c and then they're like mm, I don't know and I just do it because just do it. if I know that that person knows more than me and has my best interest at heart, I'm going to listen because that's mm. what I did in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's something that has really stuck with me where like if I'm working with the best person in marketing and she mm. says make this purple and I'm like, uh, I don't know, I really like the red. I'm probably going to listen to her and just make yeah. it purple. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming from her space of knowing. That's a great. I love that. I love that. Um, and I'm trying to think of other other stuff. Oh, you know, picking. Okay. <laughs> so being able to pick out what's really important to teach. Ooh, yes. I have taken courses um, for entrepreneurs that are just really overloaded with a <laughs> lot of information that like mm-hmm. you don't need. Yeah, this is and, why people pay me the big bucks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, literally, like they have no idea how to distill. Yes, yeah. yes. And so it's just this freight train of information. And yep. you're like, whoa, I am i don't even know what to do because the overwhelm just shuts you down. Mm-hmm. And so I think really being able to pick and choose what our students need to learn mm-hmm. and how like the building blocks of how to get from A to Z Yep. And knowing what order those go in pretty instinctually from creating, you know, syllabi and creating like, you know, I taught psychopharmacology. It's like one of the most dry topics ever. Yeah, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Yeah. And I made it really fun. Like I brought in, I I love theater. So I brought in like songs from pop culture about like certain pills that are on the market. And (laughs) so just being able to like make things that are really dry, really fun. Mm. Um, and bringing humor to them and life to them, whereas some people just kind of teach it. Um, yeah. And I think that just having taught and having had so many different teachers over the course mm-hmm. of the years, mm-hmm. I really know, I, at least I feel like I know. I mean, you know, I may not know some days, but I know what keeps people's attention and I know what's yeah. not going to work. Yeah, And so totally. just really being able to be like, no, I mean, this is interesting, but not fundamental to the understanding so Mm -hmm. let's put it in the maybe a bonus section (laughs) yeah totally Um, and then sometimes that just gets kicked out and it's like oh well maybe we'll do a a master class on that or you know whatever but yeah really being able to distill down what is needed Mm. yeah and it's a i mean that's a skill too i think it's almost like um internal like because we've kind of internalized that as part of what it means to teach and so we don't like necessary necessarily like highlight that as a skill but then we just do it kind of Mm -hmm. automatically a little bit which that's what I'm finding as somebody who actually supports entrepreneurs and non-educators if that's even a word but like people who don't come from a training background Mm -hmm. of any sort into the education world public education in general and um, you know yeah we've been through some classes on teaching and like I've definitely gone through some practices um, you know theoretical whatever's on on teaching but then there's nothing really like like actually doing it yeah and so what I'm realizing is 
you know, uh, who, who said it? Like, it takes 10,000 hours to actually become an expert at something. Yeah. I think it's like a business person, yeah. right? So they're like, oh, we look at MLK and we're like, he's such a great orator. But like, no, he gave like so many speeches. He was mm-hmm. at a pulpit every Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the same for us with teaching. Like I've taught thousands of hours of yeah. teaching. And so then when I turn to help someone with their course, um, it's almost something that's like built in me that I see it and I don't realize that they've never thought about it like that. And so I'm even like in, in the process of going like, Oh wow. Like teaching mindset is something that people need to know. Um, they all want though, how to make their course shorter and how to distill it. And like, which is all super valuable, but it is, it is, there is something else that I, that we bring to the table. I think as people who've stood up in front of other human beings who are trying to learn something (laughs) and it's just like, I could read every book. I could study all the things and there's still nothing like actually just doing it and then doing it again and then again and again. And I find in this space, most people just don't ever revisit their beta or Mm -hmm. ever change their course. They make the videos and they're like, okay, cool. There's a couple people getting the results. I'm good. Like put it on autopilot. And I'm like, what? Like there's a bunch of people who are like slowly backing away and never recommending your content. Like how do you know that that's successful? So they're not putting it back in that reflection cycle. Yes. Um, well, so anyways, I think it's kind of thing. built into us for sure. For sure. And th- yeah. it's funny you say that because I just realized, e- even as you're saying that, like from the very beginning, I gave my anybody who enrolled in anything, whether it's a master class or like a long term program, they have a pre-assessment, a mid point assessment do, and a post. Right? Why wouldn't they? Like, yeah. how else would I have the data for if our <laughs> is working? Isn't that so funny? And yeah, people have no idea to do that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. just I, it, just that stuff like that and not being able to also hear like, I didn't like this part of it. And knowing Ooh. that that's not necessarily like, you're a bad teacher, Rachel. Mm. It's like, no, it's just, something just needs to be tweaked if something isn't sitting right or something is yep. not clear. Um, yep. And I think just having enough, you know, surveys throughout life of people being like I didn't like this it doesn't it just doesn't (laughs) phase me as much anymore yeah yeah yep yeah that's huge super huge so where what do you what's your vision for your business like you and Kyle what are your big goals and dreams for this amazing uh space that you're going into and all the, the work that you guys are doing I mean really really big mission is to seriously transform the way that like we as a culture and society talk and teach about mental health sex and relationships mm. um like big blanket statement yep yep um i would also really love to educate more people to also educate the people so right now it's just me and kyle um we're bringing on uh actually an old client of mine she's co-leading um our ladies and libidos program with me oh great and it's been so so incredible to watch her come into her own and Mm. really she's taking a course on uh, Tantra right now and so Mm. she will come back and you know run things by me and then I help kind of position her to teach it most effectively and so really having more people underneath us for lack of a better word but being able to really affect change Um, and you know, I see it on so many different levels with mental health, really understanding like what the DSM is. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for anybody who's listening who's like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, and it, it's something it's the way that we have to diagnose any mental health 
yep. diagnosis. And people do not know what that is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, did you use your insurance to go to therapy? Yeah. Okay. Well, you have a diagnosis in there then. Yep. And they're like, what? I have a what? Yeah. So, you know, one of our master classes was like anxiety 101. Mm. And we talked about the difference between clinical anxiety and diagnosable anxiety versus like the anxiety that we all feel almost every day. Mm. Yep. And these things that just aren't taught, we want to get out and teach and have people understand what a healthy sex life looks like, what sexual exploration looks like, you know, what what is the difference between unhealthy, I'm going to jump here, but like unhealthy BDSM and like really healthy BDSM <laughs> and like right? what even is BDSM because there's yep, so yep. many misconceptions. So honestly, just transforming the way that we talk and teach about those three things, because like we said at the beginning, there are things we experience like all literally almost every day. Yep. Yep. So, and yeah. we don't and it's like how blind we're like all moving <laughs> throughout all of this <laughs> exactly our, and it's all oh gosh and then I think about like Brene Brown's work and I'm like the shame and yeah. um, the hiding that we do around all this stuff because we actually project what we think everyone else is doing you had a great line that you said like multiple times when we were hanging out where <laughs> you, you're in a mastermind and everyone in your mastermind was like oh my gosh you must have sex all oh, the yeah. time <laughs> and you're like wait what like why and everyone's like oh shit. like what is normal, right? Yes. And so you, I, we talked about that a couple of times and I'm like, and it's so true. Like when you open up and create the container to get people to talk about this kind of thing, um, it's then people are like, wait, I'm not crazy. Like, oh, wait, what? Oh, like, yeah. People just yeah. assume that because, you know, people assume that yep. one, you know, a third of our business is sex education, like really sex positive education that we're like yep. getting it on five times a day with like all the toys, like laying out one, one of my colleagues yeah, came all up. the time. Yeah. They were like, do you guys just have like a closet for sex toys? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, well, you made this whole guide online. Like, do you just have them all like laid out? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no. I, we're just we're just like you. It's like, Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yep. It's fascinating. And that's something that I really want to encourage anybody listening is like, what assumptions are you putting on yourself mm-hmm. and other people just based mm-hmm. on really subconscious things that yep. go on for us? The sociologist in me too, like I, I taught a marriage and family class, like also felt super unprepared for that. I'm like, I literally am married, but like, don't I, like, I, <laughs> here I am like 25, 26, 27 teaching this class. I'm like, who? And there's like old people in the class. Anyways, I have, I have my funny hangups around the different subjects I had to teach as a sociologist, but I'll say <laughs> this. I learned a lot about myself as I was teaching it, but so much of, yeah, what we know around sex ed and stuff like that is like stuff that's in our like, you know, reality television Mm -hmm. and the the content we consume so as a sociologist I'm constantly looking at okay where what is the messaging around sex like no wonder why people think this and so then we think we're weird or we think and then we project what we expect everyone else is doing and everyone else is having that same insecurity because the message that they're being fed is so um well I mean so many damaging and I can go down all these all these lists but yeah I mean I used to show documentaries on the shit all the time but that doesn't mean it's also like i'm above it in any way shape right. or form and this is the the plight of the academic right we can sit here and analyze all this shit but then um you know and when it's happening in our own life it's like sometimes we're like not totally questioning mm-hmm. you know those kind of things but yeah i mean i i just also 
like, I think it's so important that um, we recognize also like societal messages that we're giving to people. And so you guys kind of disrupting that in a very public way as public intellectuals, I think yeah. is so cool. And that's Thank you. It's, the next couple of years, man, are going to be interesting when we think about like, you know, freeing knowledge, oh, like selling knowledge yeah. versus it belonging in the public space. And yeah. this is all stuff like, you know, so um, this is just the beginning, but um, 100%. it's cool to be a part of it. I feel like it's a cool, cool time to be alive. I agree. I agree. You know, yeah. those moments where it's like, oh, what is happening? I'm like, no, no, no. Reframe. <laughs> this is <laughs> it's just a really interesting time to be alive. We're just looking at yep. how everyone's behaving and acting and, yep. you know, just taking the power back to like what can I do? What can we do? Mm. And really mm-hmm. not allowing the bigger picture to be so overwhelming that we just retreat yeah, and hermit. Totally. And I, I think that's the thing. Well, I mean, to not get like super lame, but like that's the thing that like open information and um, like the internet has done for us. And now we're getting to the level of, you know, the free economy and some of the stuff happening with like being able to start businesses so easily. And like that is all impacting how we consume knowledge, where we want to get knowledge from. And we also tend to be more, I think this generation coming up is, is very like questioning of institutions. So it's one of those things that I think we're going to look back, right? We're going to be old and sitting here going like, dude, we were alive when people were like negotiating this. I think and right? I love that kind of stuff. This is like me definitely as a sociologist being like, dude, this is so cool. Oh, me too. No, yeah. totally. I, like I joke all the time. I have a, a friend of mine who's a nutritionist and like we joke all the time. Like we'd rather stay at home on a Friday night and like read the latest research with like a totally. glass of wine and like, <laughs> totally. and, like call each other than go out and just, you know, whatever everybody oh, else does. Day. Yes. All day, every day. <laughs> well, and now I'm at least wanting to make money doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. Before as a grad student, I was like, yeah, I love doing that. We'll get over and get drunk and like talk about things. And now I'm like, how can I turn this into a product? Where am yep. I monetizing? Yes. <laughs> totally different conversation. Exactly. Yeah. But that's what's fun about it. I think like making these predictions and seeing, again, a skill that academics have too is like being able to see trends yep. and, um, you know, know where thought, like certain thought um, narratives come from and oh, ana- like yeah. analyzing what's happening and then being like cool this is what the disruption looks like and like yep. usually there's a lot of money in disruption right so oh, yeah. um i feel like it's a game now my husband and i all the time are like oh i thought of a business idea you know we'll run it by each other all the time so yeah. it is pretty cool 100 percent different mindset for sure mm-hmm. um well this has been all sorts of fun and <laughs> i feel like we only scratched the surface um, i know i'm like so five more hours or <laughs> yeah, i'm down <laughs> we'll, we'll do like a five-part episode series with rachel um no i'm actually not opposed to that um as this uh podcast grows you know who knows we we might riff on some subjects and i'll bring people back for certain topics that could yeah, be really that'd fun be great yeah but you in know the i meantime, love time in the meantime where can people find you where are you and kyle hanging out Kyle and I are hanging out on Facebook and Instagram. Those are cool. our favorite places to hang out. So we have a private community on Facebook that's free. And we are literally doing exactly what we're talking about. It's just bringing up the things that nobody else is talking about, but we Love need it. to. Yep. Um, so we're there. Uh, and that's rightwellnesscenter.com slash community. Cool. And then we have our podcast. And I'm on Instagram, the right underscore Rachel. It always feels weird to say underscore. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Underscore Rachel. Um, And yeah, just hanging out. We try to keep it really real and transparent. And, you know, we like to hop on Facebook lives like right after we've had Mm. a fight and be like, we just had a fight. This is how we did it. (laughs) 
This is going to break it down for you. Yes, like we <laughs> use these tools and now we're happy. Yay. <laughs> Rachel also likes musical television and movies. I've been, <laughs> yes. I've been connecting on that. Yes. I've been obsessed with some shows um, as well. So yes. So maybe break into song and teaching on Facebook Live. Girl, I think you need to do that. What that that's your be, next course? Yeah, I think so. That's actually <laughs> that would totally disrupt the industry. I'm going to teach an entire course in musical or whatever. <laughs> That'd be amazing. No that would be I amazing. Well, it's the way that you know, crazy ex girlfriend is disrupting TV. Like, totally, it, it really. I yeah, that show's incredible. So good. So good. I can't believe I just found it like a week ago. By the way, <laughs> it's hidden. It's like subculture. Yeah, and I. That's what I was telling Derek. I actually was told to watch it a little while ago. And then I was like, I tried to watch the first episode and I'm like, I don't know. And then there was something calling me when I was like, I need a show to like binge and it needs to be fun. And I just started watching it and I was like, oh, this is hilarious. And I'm like, oh, I totally get where this is, you know, because it takes you have to watch a couple episodes, you know, you have to oh, with, yeah. with most shows, I think. Um, yeah. But it's so fun. But yeah, I think I love that kind of stuff. I We're also, um, I'm going to do an improv class next week, which I'm excited awesome. about. Um, and I just watched my friend. She There's a local improv and they had a musical group. One of the groups that performed oh my the God. students was musical. And I was just like, I feel like I totally get this on another level because I watched that show. And I, yeah, it's funny. Yep. 100%. I love it. 100%. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I can't wait to help you with that course because that sounds really fun. <laughs> you, cool. you know I'll be coming very, to you, babe. Very, fun. Awesome. Well, yeah, I will see you online. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming and spending time with us. And uh, I will see you around the interwebs. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. 